Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, we're from Cork, and what's happening in Dublin? Nothing. Don't give it, they don't give a shade about it down here. Go play it forward. Oh, danger here! Danger here! And the Soviets have equalized! Focus on the game. Don't hide behind your cars or your tattoos or your girlfriends or your agents. Play the game. Be careful the cat. No say the cat is in the sack when you have not the cat in the sack. The great football, the Liam Brady's, the Ronnie Whelan's, the David O'Leary's. This is a great football and country produced players and go out and play that rubbish. Right, delighted to be joined by uh, Graham Cummins now. Graham, as you know, of course, has been presenting the Footballers Live podcast um, for the Irish Examiner in recent months. But uh, things have changed for you since we talked to you last, Graham. You, firstly, you've had young Claude has arrived. I have, but there's a lot of change. That's a big change in your life, to be fair. Yeah. I used to think I used to think playing football for 90 minutes was a tough job until uh, the child comes along the way and then uh, gets a lot tougher. And um, I appreciate parents a lot more anyway. That's all I'd say. <laughs> I would, any mother that stays at home and minds a child is a wonder woman, is what I would say to them. And only parents will understand that as well. But uh, <laughs> loads, loads have changed. Uh, yeah, the bigger probably that's probably a bigger change than the uh, the move from one end of the field to the other. But um, ah. you were announced with Cork City as a centre half. Now, so, uh, how's that come about? Well, to be fair, um, when the league kind of finished up, I think I've been quoted on numerous occasions thinking it would never come back. So, in my mindset, it was a bit of let's try and get a job, and I just kept training the way. But I was doing all the wrong training in terms of if I want to come back playing soccer, I was doing half marathons, all that kind of way. Um, and in my head, I was just actively looking for a job, of course. Then soccer players won't realise you look for a job and everyone keeps going, where's your experience? Where's your experience? Sure, I didn't have really much of an option. Uh, handing out if I'd been offered a job, full-time stability, especially with a family, I would have been Happy to call it a day with football, but um, things haven't gone that way and I'm back on the pitch now and some people are probably cursing me for being back out there, would have been happy to see me go, but uh, they'll just have to sit through it a bit more. Um, but in terms of the Cork move, listen, it was just a case of Waterford delayed things obviously going back. They were probably the last team back training and then the manager left Jonas and we had we hadn't a clue to be honest what was going on. There was total lack of communication, I think, between the owners and the players. Um the management tried to stay involved, but there's only so much you can do. You can't keep talking to lads like for managers and keep saying, I have no idea what's going on because I can't speak to him myself and I think that's probably why Rennie ended up leaving. And then when it did come to returning to training, I spoke to Fran. He was very keen for me to stay. I was kind of keen to stay myself um, and then couldn't get really much clarity off the owners regarding the new manager, even though they kind of knew who was coming in place. I wanted to speak to him. But then um, 
I got a surprising phone call off um, Alan Bennett. It said Gaffer No would be interested in, yeah, what you think. Um, obviously, they wanted to sign me as a striker at the start, and it wasn't something. It was it interested me because it was on my doorstep, and it's obviously Cork's my hometown club, but it really it was a case of again going back in my ward saying Jesus I hate playing up front that kind of way and <laughs> I think yeah. it came to like I just literally rang up the gaffer and he'd spend again and just said look I think I have to sign this as a centre half or I don't think I can come on board now he gave the option as well obviously I can play up front as well but um, I think you appreciate more like towards the end of your career for me you know like I said it's, it's about like actually going on a pitch and enjoying it. I think I, I've actually enjoyed going and training, which I, jeez, I hate training. Like I'm, I'm a terrible trainer anyways, it is. Mm. But um, I've enjoyed it. Like I only got back, I only trained with Cork on a Friday last week and then played half a game against Wexford Utes. And literally, like when I said, because my training was so bad, it's, ridiculous how leggy I was and everything after just going into that one short sharp session and it'll take maybe a week or 10 days to get properly back into it um, I think with my age anyway you're a bit of a slow goer like you know an old car like if you don't drive it for a while you need to keep driving a car like you know it for a while. Stale. <laughs> yeah. take a while like it just needs just needs to be brought to the mechanics like and uh, we'll be flying yeah. again yeah you've been kind of saying it for a while to us that you were fed up with playing up front and you probably didn't want to say it really publicly a good bit before you actually moved yeah. to centre back with Waterford because obviously you want to keep your options open and all that. Like, how far back in your career did you kind of wish you were the other side of the, the other end of the pitch? If, if, like, I've made a good career, I would like to think not, not made a brilliant career. I've not made enough money that I can even retire for a year. You know, that kind of way. Um, where some footballers can retire when they're finished the rest of their lives. But I've made a decent career and in that sense I've kind of think, yeah, I've done well as a striker and I've made a good career. But I always, always when I used to play I said, I wonder could I have actually been a better career if I'd stuck centre half and it's something that obviously I never did. I never tried to do. I actually can remember if I said it like at Preston when they the manager tried to throw me out of the club one week and then he was just throwing me in as a defender and training, just as a body, basically. Like, and I think he got really impressed by me, and he was like, "Actually, the best I've seen, yeah, that kind of way." And um, yeah. I asked him to play centre half, but he said, "I can't be spending." I think it's the time Preston bought me for like a hundred thousand euros. He was like, "Could you imagine me after spending a hundred thousand euros on a striker playing him as a centre half? Then six months later, I yeah. can't just put that to the board." But um, it is definitely like. It's actually a regret in my career. If, if It's probably my biggest regret that I never did. And if I could go back in time, even though I've had a decent enough career, I, I would never have actually stepped up front. Yeah, I sure. I mean, you did start as a centre-half initially, did you? Yeah. I mean, you were you were thrown up front and got too many goals initially. Like That was your mistake, wasn't it? That's where I blamed Stephen Henderson for that. Yeah. Like, you know, he threw me up front and yeah. he promised me with Waterford that we would end up signing a striker ball never materialised that way but like I think just like anyone who plays football will realise like being as a centre half it's more about intelligence reading the game you're like as people say when your legs start going you look at Rooney I'm not saying I've got any footballing brain like Wayne Rooney does but he's had to drop back and been up front like 
and he's in a centre kind of quarterback role now in centre mid where it's kind of more of a brain and I think the more you go back the more you need a brain for the game not blistering pace listen if I have someone standing next to me and they've got blistering pace then happy days like that helps out you probably can't have two snails in the back line either um, and then that's kind of where I saw myself I would always like to think I had a brain and a bit like maybe Rooney when I was up front I, I just would walk great and maybe that's happened to my legs a bit like um, but it's, it's so bad like I, you know when people like with forward you love playing up front because the best thing in football to do is score goals there's no beating it the, yeah. you can't replicate that feeling I think even in life it's very hard to top that like the balls yeah. you get out of hitting that net and having the crowd cheer and you kind of go that cheers for me as a striker you don't think about the team when you score you're like that's me like that's your job and I said it to lads, like, I mean, as a striker, you could you could win 10 games and you could not score in the 10. You'd be miserable. I'd be yeah. miserable if we won a game 3-0, I didn't score. Um, yeah, we played a game years ago. That kind of stuff, like, but, but every striker feels like that, even though you're not Yeah, they, like, if strikers are lying if they say they're happy to yeah. just be a team player and not score. It's, like, it's such a lie. Like, I mean, <laughs> you look at, yeah. like, as, as bad as it is as a striker I would prefer to lose 4-1 and score than win 4-0 and that's that's the way it is because like I always say football is a self-employed kind of game and as a striker you're only going to make a good living if you're scoring every week no one's going to sign someone who goes oh but he walks hard we'll give him a really good contract for walking hard that that doesn't materialise that way I look at you look at Patch Bramford now for Leeds at the moment like Everyone says, oh, he does a great job for the team. Bielsa acknowledges him. But the amount of abuse he gets, and I watch him, he's got 14, 15 goals still. I know he misses a lot of chances, but the abuse strikers get yeah. are unbelievable. As I said to you, if you look at every team, fans are never happy with strikers. Pundits aren't happy with strikers. Every team, if you go through every team, what would they say in a transfer market every club needs? They'd always say they need a striker. They More need goals. a striker. Goals. And yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, I could score 20 goals, but people go, he still needs competition against him. And you're like, <laughs> I don't like. You know, when people say, like, you look at Harry Kane, though, and they always say that, and they go, oh, Kane would appreciate another striker coming in and sharing the load. Like, he wouldn't. He doesn't want competition coming in. He's comfortable at Spurs. He knows he can have seven or eight bad games. But like, as I said, strikers are oh, fans. Like, I, I do read forums and all that. And all you see is all the time is we could do with another striker. Even though a striker could get 20 goals and you're like, well, why can't you do with another right mid who only got six assists or something like that? But it's just, it's like, let's be honest, like that's where strikers get paid the most because it's the most pressurising position on the pitch. And I think even like, I only played one game though with Waterford over their four league games against Derry. I felt extremely hard and done by that I didn't actually start the season because I'd done really well in pre-season. It's just the fact we signed two centre-backs in Redden two days before the season begun and the manager said to me he, didn't, he couldn't play me with someone I didn't know he'd prefer to have two lads who actually played together and then yeah. towards the end he kind of like apologised to me and not in, not like in public as well that like in front of the dressing room that he should have played me and uh, it's something I appreciate and then even when we beat Derry that night my only staff to centre-back I felt 
so much better, but just it felt easy, you know, like sometimes you just, like you said, you just need to have, I think, more of a brain at centre-back and it just felt very comfortable and easy. Well, you, in fairness, you've mentioned a few times in your in your podcast as well when you're, when you're talking to guys um, that confidence has been a bit of a factor and lack of confidence has been a factor throughout mm-hmm. your career. And like up front isn't the place you want to be if your confidence is anywhere, is anyway lacking really, is it? It's, it, it's, doubly, it's doubly difficult, especially if you miss the first chance. I mean, you always hear about the likes of Teddy Sheringham who couldn't care less after he misses the first chance will take the second one in exactly the same kind of way. Like, would you have been that, would you have found it easy to put behind you if you miss a chance? Early? See, I, yeah, like, geez, it's, it's tough because sometimes I do feel, um, you, sometimes you can look at missing a chance both ways. You can kind of look at it and say, I'm scared to get in for the next one because the crowd are going to absolutely batter me if I miss. Mm. And then in the other sense, I'm like, well, at least I'm getting a chance. If you're a striker and you're not getting a chance, there's something wrong. I always found, as a striker with confidence, what's hard is when you're expected to hold the ball up and one or two ricochet off you, and that breaks down. But it breaks down... It's not just you, it affects the whole team because it, like, it breaks down everyone, it breaks down the play, all the midfielders make run. And then, like, if you miss a chance as a striker, you lack confidence in yourself. But if you're not holding up the ball, players start, your teammates start losing confidence in you because they won't make runs off you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. If, they're, if, you're, if they're giving you five or six balls and you lose four or five, they're just going, well, what is the point of me going when this fella can't hold the ball? And you would like people look at you then in different ways, and you think it's an easy thing. It's one of the hardest things to do in football as well as actually just hold the ball up because you've got two centre halves up against you and strikers. And when like when I started playing, you've two lads. You mean another fella, and would normally like it does help because it's half the battle. Like I mean, you're coming off the pitch doing probably half the work. Where nowadays you don't play with two strikers anymore it's very rare and you're running around like a headless chicken and yeah. sometimes you've been asked to do a tankless job and then like you said I think for me like your confidence players do get confidence but there's so much lows in football that it can go straight away I think I mean I was even nervous going in I remember with Waterford I was nervous at the start playing centre back my first game and it did take me two or three weeks to get comfortable again and it was the same last week with Cork. Um, I went in and on the Saturday against Wexford, I was nervous. And I was thinking to myself, Jesus, you're 32 at this stage. You're playing <laughs> Wexford, no disrespect to him, in a friendly out in Bishopstown in front of no one. You've played at Celtic Park, you've played at Ibrox, but yet this still makes you nervous. And I was like, you seriously have bad issues. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but it's a good thing but I just I think it's a, ah, it's a good thing it's a good thing Graham when, it, when, the, when the nerves go you'll, you'll know it's time to probably pack it up ah well Jesus I thought it was time to pack it up five months ago I just couldn't get a job for God's sake if anyone's listening now and they've got work for me I'll take a job in a few months there I'll be able to contract again but come here you made, I think you made a good point there about the, the you know the, the whole one man up front I mean they've ruined as far as as, as another member of the big man's union now I think They've ruined the, the forward positions over the years in terms of, uh, for the big lad anyway. Um, well, in terms of, like, if you, if you had two up there, obviously you share the work and you're not running the both channels all the time and you can, you can, it's not as much of a pressure situation and you, and you can happily score one in six and everybody would be happy with you in the old yeah, days. Yeah, well, you couldn't. But do you know what? I remember having this conversation when 
when I was at St. Johnston, we played two up front, and it was very rare to play two up front. And I had I formed a good partnership with a fellow, Stephen McLean. He was intelligent. He would drop off. I would do all his donkey work running. But we spoke in the car when we played against other teams with two. I think we played Aberdeen once, and he said, he was right, he said, the problem is, no, that teams cannot actually play 4-4-2 because when players are growing up now, they've never changed systems. When they talk about grassroots, everyone still plays what's the fashionable system at the time. Mm. I mean, maybe it should be a thing of grassroots you look at and go, maybe we should play 4-4-2 sometimes, 4-4-3 has to be played because lads actually don't understand how to play in the two up front anymore. If you've come through the system now, you're probably wondering on I, I actually don't know how to make runs where when like the benefit of playing up front by yourself is you don't have to worry about anyone else you just run you run you run where when you're playing a two up front again which I think it actually involves more of a brain because you can't just yeah. run somewhere because someone else might be in that space and it's the case of like like the great partnerships York and Cole Shearer and something like they literally knew where the other person was at all times where I think when you're up front by yourself, you can just run around like a headless chicken. It doesn't matter once once you get in the box at the end of the day. But with two, you can't make the same near post run. You can't make the same back post run. You can't both drop in together. You can't just leave one fella fight for the ball all the time. And it's, I think that, I think sometimes people don't understand it. And then if you play one up front, for me, you have to play ball. You can't just lump things up because it does come straight back. And that's obviously it suits like teams like if you look at like the the Liverpool's of this world, the Manchester Cities. That's why they can play a small nippy player up front, someone with a brain again, or someone who is intelligent, quick because they pass the ball so much. And if if you actually watch them, their strikers don't get involved in the game. For me, it's different because he drops so deep in. But like the best strikers in the world, like the best clubs, they don't come alive until the ball's at the edge of the box. But in League of Ireland, that's not the case. Like you have to be everywhere. You have to be fighting for every ball. Yeah, I can remember watching Barcelona and you, Luis Suarez. I was I was at Celtic Park. They played Celtic, and he must stand offside seventy percent of the time. The yeah. ball's at the other end of the pitch. He's standing twenty yards behind the Celtic centre half, and I was just wondering well, what is he doing. And he's so clever because he's just saving his energy because he doesn't want to be going back to field. He's just standing there going, eventually I'll have to run that way. So I may as well just wait here for the ball to come to me rather than do an extra 10, 20 yards going back. And it all depends, again, on what team you're in. I mean, like you said, the big centre forward. Is there any left in the Premier League? I don't think so. The closest I could think that is you've got Troy Deeney. Harry yeah. Kane is actually, a, he would be an old school centre forward for me, Harry yeah, Kane. Yeah, he would, he would a bit, yeah. There's no standout. I don't think Harry Kane, he's a goal scorer, but he's not, I wouldn't say quick, he's just good at everything. And that's the way you kind of look at an old school centre forward. It's funny, McGoldrick is a kind of a, an in-betweener, isn't he? He's, he's, one of the, he's, he's like a big man up front who drops, who actually drops deep, which is, um, is kind of unusual well, he, um, nowadays. He plays. He would play as a two up front with Sheffield United. Yeah, and yeah. then he's very good. Like fair play to him getting the two goals the other day because I think not just Irish fans, but I think every football fan was happy for him because you can see the effort he puts in. But again, 
Sheffield United are a great side, but he still has to do so much effort that it actually kind of costs him in front of goal because he's so tired yeah. when he does get in front of goal. I don't think people realise that. Like The best finishers in the world are probably the ones that walk less and less. I think I know Aguero is he's unbelievable. Strike. Don't get me wrong. Boy, we considered him a better finisher a couple of years ago when Guardiola didn't demand as much walk rate out of him. Yeah. That kind of way. He was definitely, I know his age, but he was definitely that bit sharper where when Guardiola started saying he has to do a bit more, he has to do a bit more, I think he'd miss more chances. He still scores every week, but he'd miss one or two more where to go. The old Aguero would score that, and it's about finding that balance. Do you want a striker who's going to walk and then get tired in front of the goal, or do you want a fellow who is just going to lay his about? And then it's, yeah. it's happening too. But like for me, it's a no-brainer. Centre-back is just a lot easier. Like it's, it's enjoyable. Like and. I think, like in especially in our league, it's all about you win your headers and stuff. Like, if you can play ball, that's an added bonus, and you probably might even get out of this country if if you can do the basics right, and then actually be a good ball player on top of that. Then you do see centre backs go from this country. Well, that's something you mentioned before. I think that it was difficult when you were going to attract attention as a a centre back than um, than a centre forward. Like, so I mean, when you you got to move off the back of scoring, what, 24 or 5 goals probably. Mm. Um, whereas it would be harder to kind of get that move maybe then if you were a centre-back playing pretty well every week kind of thing. I think, well, I think back then the league obviously didn't get as much recognition as it kind of would now for yeah. exporting players. I mean, I was very fortunate as well. I was a first division player who managed to somehow sneak a move. Um, and I don't know, like, it just walked that way, but now, now that the league is getting more like recognition, it's been seen more. I think that's because of what Dundalk done in Europe. I think, I think Rovers obviously went into the group stages as well, and people kind of saw that as a once-off. But then Dundalk done so well that people started recognizing the league more, and you see more and more kind of centre half stand to leave. You Kevin Long, like my old two, of my old teammates Sean McLaughlin, Conor McCann, or Conor McCarthy, yeah, and. They, they've done really well for themselves and managers kind of... See, the problem is as well, like, I think sometimes League of Ireland clubs overrate their players and, like, over, like, the price of them. I mean, I wasn't worth €100,000. No chance. Like, a, a first division player... If you went to any first division club now and said, I'll give you €100,000 for a player, they'd probably say, take 100000 for the whole squad. You know, that kind of way, like... <laughs> yeah. And I think... I think that's why it's so hard. Like clubs in England aren't going to pay fortunes for centre backs. Because what what people don't realise in Ireland is, yeah, they're good players here, but England, the likes of like Championship clubs, they've got another six or seven lads like that in their academy youth setups. And I've seen it when I went over, and I'm like, they're not going to spend three hundred, four hundred thousand on a centre half when they go. Well, we have this guy, and he's not that far off that lad that we're thinking of signing from. League of Ireland and we're not going to waste our money like that kind of way so I think it's a case of as well it's it's bad to say but like lads in this league might have to be brave especially with the way the world's gone now that English clubs aren't going to be paying fees like lower leagues no chance that lads are going to have to be brave and not sign contracts with clubs if they want to get that move to England and it'll have to be free chances I think it'll be very rare now you see an English club coming for a League of Ireland player 
and spent two or three hundred thousand. Like I, there might have been some moves this summer, centre halves, and you never know. Someone in this league might have done kind of like mightn't have got paid by their club for a few weeks and might want out, and you might see some centre halves or some players not return League of Ireland. You go well, he's going to England straight away. He's didn't return training because. I kind of knew in my, that's what happened in my situation with Waterford, had not been paid by him. So after four weeks, you're actually entitled that your contract isn't valid anymore. So by not going in the first day training when we returned, I didn't, I didn't have like, I, I kind of had something in mind that I might be, Cork might be interested. We hadn't, and no terms had we agreed on anything. I just knew there was interest and I needed to speak to him again. So, in fairness, Waterford were good that way. And I, bad as it sounded, I just refused. Well, not refused. I said I wasn't coming in training mm-hmm. because for a couple of days, I need a few days to sort this out because I didn't want to activate my contract and then making it a hassle. And I don't know other lads like that. I don't know if other clubs are back. But mm-hmm. that might be a case if you do see a player leave your club. Like, if there's any League of Ireland fans listening to this, it's not. I don't think it's the player's fault that he's leaving on a free at the end of the day, the club didn't pay him a couple of weeks' wages. His situation, he had to look after himself and he's probably at his age and tell him refuse to go back and send in a letter saying cancel their contract. So that might happen as well, which could be something interesting in the league when people are giving out. But listen, like like I said, players need to look after themselves as well. And if the club couldn't afford to pay him during a certain time, when a player can't afford to wait around in the club. Yeah. Anyway, about Cork for the rest of the season, what... Like what would you say? I mean, you're you're still you're fondly regarded there um, for your exploits. Oh, I don't know two previous that, no. times, uh, certainly certainly the first time, Graham. And <laughs> do you know what? Like, I think I get harshly treated. Like, like <laughs> sorry enough to interrupt you, but like the second time, I think I came, I scored fourteen goals my first season, and I yeah. got 10, 11 assists, but I still got absolutely slated. And again. That's the centre forward for you because you I didn't get twenty goals, twenty two goals, and of course I was replacing Sean McGuire. That's like replacing like a Ferrari with a Ford. You know what I mean? There's no comparison. Like it's not. You know you're going to be disappointed. Like you know, get used to it. And I think that was just in like that probably was my downfall as well. That people kept asking me questions, and I think they even asked me that question like. Oh, you here to replace Sean Maguire was, I think, a person who wouldn't know football asking someone that kind of a question. I honestly do because it's just so chalk and cheese. But one person, no offense to Cork, like, but like Sean's gone on, he's gone to Ireland, everything. Rugby's coming back. Like people, people don't go to England because they're going backwards, and people don't come back from England because they're going forwards. So unless they're really young, so like. I think at that stage, but um, hopefully it's different this time. Third time lucky, like I said, I did definitely have a good first spell, and I still ended up the club's top scorer last year, which is insane. Like in the league, <laughs> yeah. five goals, and I played about twelve games. I'd say so. I don't know. I just hopefully this will go better anyway. And in terms of the, I mean, I suppose the fans would be probably worried about the what, like lack of experience in the position going into the. Relegation for battle, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to the, what would you say to those concerns? Uh, uh, listen, like I think, I was only saying I don't think there's just Cocker concerned or just Sligo. I think anyone has to be concerned in this league. It's it's so crazy with just 13, 14 games left that 
if a team doesn't win their first three or four, then they're looking over their shoulders straight away. Yeah. No matter who you are, I mean, as I said, we played Bo's first game. You now Bo's at the moment just saying they're third in the league, they're going for Europe. They'll be going for Europe this year. But if we get if we beat them, you all of a sudden go, we're only three points behind Bo's, lads. What what's going on here? You know, that kind of way. So for me, I think definitely like I know that Cork team is very young. It's totally different dressing room to what I went into. And then again, as an older player, I never thought of it. Like when you're younger, you look up to all the players and you just go, oh, whatever. I never thought I'd be one of these players that would come in and actually voice my opinion and like try and help younger lads. But I saw it kind of more this year going down to Waterford. I definitely felt that. And I definitely felt lads were listening to me. I think for an experienced player, it's, it's important you do come into a young side. Um, and again, I think when I spoke to Neil Fenn, that was what I said to him. I said, I will be a different character as a centre-back to a striker in around the training room, in around the dressing room. I feel more like a leader as a centre-back. And like I said, it's I never thought I'd be like that, but I, I definitely enjoy it a lot um, going in. But it, again, it's you want a bit of reciprocant again. Like you want to be appreciated. Like you want lads to actually be listening to you, taking on board. Otherwise... You get frustrated where and you'll stop doing it where like I said I I just hope that like I can bring something extra this time as well. Yeah. And how has it been just back training? It's it's obviously a bit different. You're having to do all your showering at home and all that kind of stuff. How is the how are the protocols yeah, working in there? You know what I thought I thought it would be a lot stranger. It's not obviously I definitely the showering thing is, is big for me anyway. I think that was, that was a, a big thing with Waterford as well. I was thinking in my head, what if I'm training and I get absolutely soaked in training here and I have to drive home an hour and 40 minutes in wet gear? Like, I was like, I might actually get sick here. Like, not through COVID disease, but just actually getting wet and getting the flu. But it's like, you know, the hand sanitizers are there. And I think, lads, you really, like, you don't need heroes at this time of the year. You know, if someone has a symptom or something like that, you'd expect them to speak up. I think the responsibility is more on players. No management yeah. can do what they can. They can make sure everything's clean and all that. But um, it's it's definitely on players' like responsibility. I think I'd be very wary if I was in training and I heard a guy sneeze a couple of times, especially with a family. I'd be, mm. I'd be actually, what you would say, ratting someone out going to the manager. I've, I've seen him a few times there. This is a bit dodgy. Like, yeah. Um, but it's it's like I said, I think when the games come back, then that's when it might get a bit stranger. I was only saying, like, we don't know how the next lockdown phase will start or how travelling will go. Will there be more spectat- spectators allowed in? I, I kind of hope so. And then even at that, if there is only limited to 500, like, what fans get to go in as well is going to be a big talking point because, I mean, I know Cox City have a lot more than four or 500 season tickets sold, so... That's another problem again for the league, like there's clubs like that. So that'll be interesting, I think, when that, like I said, there's, there's like sometimes as well, there's a fair of me wondering, will this league actually finish again? And do we go into lockdown again? And let's be honest, like if the league goes into lockdown again, it ain't finishing again because it took so long to get to this stage yeah, that they couldn't go through. They couldn't go through that process again. And mentally, for players, I don't think players go through it mentally again. You're better off just if it is a case of the season's ended within a couple of weeks, if it's, things aren't going well, then you're better off just calling it off and not going again till the next year. 
Grant, listen, we'll leave it there. In terms of the, the buzz is, is slightly backwards anyway, Graham, I think, is it? You're, you, you, you've been, you mentioned in, in a couple of columns lately that you, with the Echo, that um, you're enjoying your football a little bit more, even though you weren't playing as much as you yeah. wanted at Waterford. Perhaps the whole idea that you're coming closer to the end, like, and that it's, it's a bit easier to yeah, enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, it is. Like, if you're going to, if you want to play something, like I said, the last couple of years, you may as well enjoy it. Like, I went to Rovers, I didn't like it. And like I said, I, I had an offer of a lot more money to play as a striker and it wasn't something that I wanted to do and it meant to leave my family and things. And like you said, when, when I have a daughter now to think about, that's, that's my number one priority in life and I want to come home happy to her not coming home from training and annoyed again that I've had another bad session or a match and I've just got abuse and I'm back to goal and not liking it. No, it's so um, definitely like football is about, like I said, it's, it's very harsh on young lads nowadays. I don't think they are allowed to enjoy it. I think it's so much pressurised. But you gotta you got to remember where you first, you do it in the first day. You do it to enjoy. You don't do it for the money. Like it's fantastic if you can earn a living out of it. But look, if you don't enjoy what you're doing neither is, is it worth doing really like that, that's great Graham and don't forget to tune into the Footballers Life podcast with Graham there's some lovely interviews there with the likes of Steve McPhail Joey O'Brien George O'Callaghan who else have you done Hendo as well Stephen Henderson and yours truly as well another one you gave us some secrets. good sleep like <laughs> some secrets of uh, life of Preston in particular was uh, quite entertaining yes. if I uh, recall yeah so yeah, tune into those. We'll link them to this podcast at the end. Um, brilliant. Listen, thanks for listening and uh, thanks, Graham. Thanks very much. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 